Generative AI has sparked our imaginations. It also has terrified us. Bing's chatbot declaring its love for a New York Times columnist, CNET saga with AI-generated content, and many other incidents have shown that AI can generate horrific outcomes. Moreover, the nature of the adverse outcome can be totally unpredictable. Randall Aiken helped build safety systems for self-driving cars at Uber and elsewhere. He was particularly affected by a fatality caused by a self-driving car and began to envision how he could prevent other types of generative AI from generating catastrophes like this. That's now the mission of his new startup, to create guardrails for generative AI more broadly. In this conversation, we discussed how are safety systems for self-driving cars instructive for preventing adverse outcomes from generative AI? What are some examples of adverse outcomes that would be hard to predict? What are the best practices for avoiding them? And what should be the role of boards in monitoring generative AI used by their companies? You can listen to the podcast or read the lightly edited transcript. Let's dive in. Randall, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you, Allison. I really appreciate it. You are working in a very interesting space, generative AI. Obviously, it's gotten a lot of news attention recently. Everyone is talking about it. There's a lot of buzz. But there are also some challenges that I think you've anticipated with generative AI as a technology and the way it might be used in the future. I don't think you're looking to fear monger or talk about the singularity or anything like that. Right. You're thinking about like the practical considerations that would make generative AI useful in a business context and, you know, in a way that would help companies that are using it best serve their customers. So I think you're anticipating some really interesting things that might happen in the world. And I'm excited for you to share them with our audience. Amazing. Me too. To start out, can you tell us what brought you to where you are today? I've had a pretty nonlinear career. I've worked in big bang cosmology and I've worked in humanitarian aid and disaster relief. And uh, I, I had the opportunity to participate in sort of the last big hype cycle, which was uh, the world of autonomous vehicle development. And in that world, I, I spent a number of years really focused on this problem of autonomous vehicle safety, which, as you can imagine, is is a really challenging problem. And also, in my opinion, sort of the first broad experiment in applied AI deployment of figuring out how to ship safe AI algorithms that can have a real impacts in the world. I did this at Apple and then at Uber and then at a company called iCrobotics. And I had a number of really formative experiences during my time in the field. And one of those was I was at Uber at the time when an Uber self-driving car was involved in a fatal accident in 2018. And Elaine Hertzberg was struck and killed by a vehicle that was driving itself. And for me, this was a really important moment of recognizing that while we're sitting behind our computer screens developing technologies, that these have real consequences in the real world. And we need to be really thoughtful and really deliberate about how we deploy these things. I think that the two big lessons for me coming out of that experience is refers to safety as a systems problem. It's not a technology problem and it involves company leadership, engineering, the design of the technology itself, product management, go to market. And that job is is iterative and, and never complete. And so I think that that's a big theme here where we need to think about risk and we need to think about safety as a system problem. 
The other takeaway is this has certainly been true in the world of aviation and automotive and most recently in autonomy, that as you develop a new technology, you need to put a lot of work into making that technology better. But you need also this sort of parallel effort of building the systems and processes in place that are going to allow that to be successful and be safe in the world. And so it's sort of this parallel effort of not just how do we make the vehicle drive itself, but how do we build all the safety systems and structures that allow it to be proven to be safe out in the world. And I think that now we're stepping into this world of generative AI. It has a lot in common of a big hype cycle with a ton of investment and a ton of different players coming into the field and putting technology out in the world. Then I think it's important to recognize that it's an incumbent on us as a group of technologists to, as I say, develop this parallel of systems and safety and guardrails to help make sure that that's done responsibly out in the world. So Randall, you obviously have a lot of experience with self-driving cars and certainly the incidence of a fatality as a result of a self-driving car is a very emotionally gripping example of AI gone wrong. I think you're of the opinion that there's actually a much more horizontal, generally applicable type of problem that we need to solve for when ensuring that AI produces safe outcomes for people. How do you go from preventing fatalities to preventing adverse outcomes from AI or generative AI in general? Well, look, I think the first thing to note is that in the world of generative, this actually is a huge technology breakthrough. And I think we've all had our sort of holy crap moments with generative AI. And for me, there have been two. Uh, One was I was working on a side project last year and I just fed GPT-3 this prompt of good morning. And what came back was this perfectly crafted scam email. And so many people have had examples like this filling up their Twitter feeds. The second one that's, I think, perhaps more interesting and more compelling is the OpenAI team demoed in their Codex demonstration. So this is the tool that developers can use to turn natural language into code, demonstrating the ability of GPT-3 to actually learn APIs. And this is a really big deal because it means that I think in the very near future, we're going to see generative AI not just being sort of confined into a dialogue chat box, but out in the world, making real decisions and taking real actions, making purchases, booking travel, et cetera. So there's a real technology breakthrough. And along with that is this adoption curve where there are going to be a lot of different businesses, use cases that are attempted. And the bet is that there are going to be a bunch of bad outcomes that accompany that. And it's going to take a while for us to get to the point of having a mature technology. And I think we can learn from other industries of how we get there. And autonomy is one, aviation is another. But in a lot of respects, these system problems are not new problems, where we have really good ideas about how to do safe deployments, how to build guardrails that we sometimes call these runtime monitors, which are pieces of software that help ensure that a particular AI deployment or a particular technology is, is doing what we think it should do and not stepping outside of the lines. Do you think that companies will anticipate that they need to put these guardrails in place in order to prevent bad outcomes? Or do you think we're going to have to wait to see whether there are a whole series of bad outcomes for people to realize how important it is that they take preventative steps? 
great question. And I really hope it's the former. I really hope that we skate ahead of the puck a little bit here where we're anticipating bad outcomes and developing guardrails and policies to prevent those bad outcomes. I think that in the short term, we see plenty of examples. I mean, just in the last 24 hours, there have been a ton of examples of being chat, saying all kinds of awful things. The week before we saw this Bard moment from Google where an embarrassing example of their Bard chatbot producing some factual inaccuracies that wiped over $100 billion of market cap off of Alphabet's value. These are already consequences that are very real, but tend to be more or less embarrassing and maybe not catastrophic in the way that we think of this in typical system safety engineering, which is bodily harm or loss of life or existential threat to a, a company. But I think that those moments are coming. And my hope is, is that we can prevent some of those very worst outcomes with implementing appropriate guardrails. And I think in a lot of ways, we're sort of waiting for our Three Mile Island moment or our Hindenburg moment, which is this terrible outcome that helps really shape the regulatory environment around the technology for the foreseeable future. So to answer your question, I think that there are a bunch of very practical, very reasonable steps that we can take in the short term for companies that are going to try to build this into their businesses to prevent both the embarrassing outcomes and the big ones. So Randall, we started out the conversation by talking about fatalities from self-driving cars. And you're obviously identifying many other types of problems that might result from AI. Is there a particular term that you're finding that people are using for this type of adverse outcome? Or are they just calling it bad outcomes or embarrassing outcomes? Is there a name for this yet? I think in the AI community, you find a few different examples. Folks will talk about hallucinations, which is an AI algorithm generating facts out of thin air. Other folks talk about AI alignment, which is how we make sure that AI is broadly aligned with our long-term interests and goals. In the world of autonomy and, and automotive, we talk about safety of the intended functionality. And so I think that there are a few different terms here, but there's a broader category of AI accidents, if you will. And I'd be really curious to hear if other folks have terminology around this of how do we create a category of making sure that AI is not participating in things that it shouldn't. It's not departing the lane, if you like. It's doing the things that it's supposed to, and we're preventing it from doing the things that it's not supposed to. I'm being a little bit deliberately vague here because it's really difficult to understate how broadly deployment could be in some scenarios. They're really touching every industry, every business, a number of different workflows. And so the kinds of ways in which it can do harm in the world are really, really broad and not just confined to misinformation, not just confined to moderation or privacy or copyright. It's going to be a huge number of potential bad outcomes. And I think that this is going to be a, a major, major effort, both for businesses and for the research community in, in the coming years. Well, if any members of the audience have thoughts on whether there should be a generalizable term for these kinds of bad outcomes, or if you have thoughts on what term you use, you know, in your own situations, I'm sure Randall would be curious to hear your ideas. Thinking about category creation, which, of course, you're doing and many founders are doing, is there a name for the category of software that you're building? So leading on my autonomy experience, I think of this as sort of lane departure warning for AI. And the analogy here is that you imagine that there are the open AIs and the of the world that are 
building foundation models that are broadly capable of accomplishing a huge number of tasks from writing code to participating in dialogue. And while those models get better and better, it's still important to have these additional safeguards on top of that. And in the world of autonomy, we would talk about this as we need to make the driver better. We need to make the autonomy itself better, but we also need lane departure. We also need emergency braking. We still need airbags, even in in a world in which we have very good self-driving vehicles. And the reason is because there are so many ways in which the core autonomy piece can misbehave in ways that are difficult to anticipate that we really want to make sure that we have additional safety precautions and risk management solutions in place. I think, you know, if we fast forward five or 10 years, there is going to be a whole category of companies that are focused on risk management frameworks for AI, just as there are today for privacy and SOC 2 compliance. And I think the question is, is when and not if, at least from my perspective. It's interesting that you mentioned these other categories like SOC 2 compliance. It makes me wonder whether there might be federal regulations that inspire or require companies to adopt safety tools or certain types of industry regulations or recommendations that spur people to adopt tools like this. Do you think that will be the case? I think it will be the case in the long run, but I think that we're going to have to wait for that. And I think that there's an opportunity for a lot of harm to happen between now and then. I do think it's the case that standards will come before regulation. Uh, And there are plenty of examples of this, of ISO standards or UL getting involved, where I think folks will uh, work to implement voluntary participatory standards that are, I think, largely about process and not necessarily about what a particular AI is or is not allowed to do. So for example, when you have an AI out in the world, you can collect data from your users to improve the customer experience uh, in a way that actually introduces some really challenging privacy issues. Likewise, I think there are already examples of businesses deploying generative tools for uh, text-to-image that present some really thorny copyright issues. And so I think that while we wait for the regulation and we wait for the case law to settle out, we likely will see standards uh, sooner rather than later to help companies at least have a story about how they're making sure that these deployments are uh, responsibly driven and, and responsibly managed through the entire life cycle of an AI deployment. What would you say to folks who might call you a Luddite or say that you're fear-mongering? That's a good question. I think that for one thing, the signal is pretty clear that in the research community, the folks that are closest to this technology are spending the most time on these safety and risk teams. So there is excellent research that comes out of OpenAI and Anthropic and Google and others that are really on this theme. Where I think that there may be a little bit of a blind spot is that for a lot of the work that is being done in, in the research community, it's, it's focused on, on sort of two themes. One is moderation of how do we prevent these largely chat-based AI interactions from spewing hateful, toxic, violent speech. That's super important. Also, ethics and bias that are attached to that kind of interaction are really important. And then there's a lot of research on long-term AI aligned of sort of existential human-level threat type of work. And I think that there's a broad category in the middle of what happens when generative AI is 
doing expense management, is doing participating in clinical care, in medical, is writing legal contracts. Well, now it's not really a moderation problem, right? And it's certainly not AI robots roaming the streets. It's this medium-term challenge of what happens when the generative AI tools that we've already started using begin to do web automation and, and have actions out of the real world. And so I think that those risks are very real and companies that are thinking about deploying generative AI, especially now that there's so much attention and so much investment going into the field, really need to think carefully about those risks. What are some examples of companies that are taking this problem seriously and how are they approaching it? They fall into three buckets broadly. The first are the model developers themselves. So think of OpenAI or Anthropic. And the way that they're tackling this problem is by making the model itself better and more robust. And Anthropic has some really interesting work around what they call constitutional AI, uh, which is a means by which you can turn natural language into policy about how you want your AI to behave. The second category are businesses that are today incorporating generative AI. And TripActions is actually a, a recent example of this. They recently announced integrating GPT across their product set. Now, in the short term, that may be things like telling you the weather in the location where you're traveling or referring you to a good restaurant near your hotel. Uh, but you can imagine that over time, that actually begins to allow you to make travel plans or change your travel plans or, or ask for opinions in a way that could have real challenges if the model is not behaving as, as you expect. The third category are folks, businesses that are hosting generative content. And a recent example of this is Epic Games. One of their businesses is ArtStation, where they host creator content. And there was a huge outcry from their creator community when generative AI images began starting to show up on, on their boards. And Epic is, I think, particularly aware of the, of the challenges around these things, having recently been hit with a half a billion dollar FTC fine for COPA violations. And so I think that they're trying to come up with a broader policy about how to think about generative content, both in game production, as well as the case of like ArtStation or these other sort of moderation cases to make sure that they're getting a handle on generative content coming out to their platform. Why wouldn't OpenAI make models that are good enough to solve for this problem? I mentioned earlier that it's absolutely the case that the most important safety research in the field is, is coming from these big model developers. But taking OpenAI as an example, it's pretty clear that their North Star is generalized intelligence, which means that they are going to continue, I think, they're going to continue to focus on making underlying models that are broadly capable of accomplishing a wide variety of tasks. Now, if you think about AI deployments that are going to happen in regulated environments, businesses that are trying to get models to serve some pretty narrow task. Well, it could be the case that let's say, for instance, a healthcare company that is uh, thinking about incorporating a chat agent to help book appointments. Well, OpenAI's model will happily provide clinical advice. And unless you have the right guardrails in place, even though OpenAI has developed a quote-unquote safe solution, it may not be safe in a particular context or, or a particular business. If I'm a company that's looking to incorporate generative AI into my product, and I want to ensure that there are some kind of guardrails for safety purposes, is there a certain best practice framework that you would recommend? 
Again, this is an area where we can learn a lot from adjacent industries. Um, there are lots of good examples of varying various frameworks. Uh, NIST actually recently released uh, an AI risk management framework guide that's hundreds of pages long. Uh, MIT has a really great framework called STPA that was really built around aviation accident analysis. Uh, but these tend to be pretty engineering centric. Uh, I think from an organization perspective, I, I sort of think about these as like the four P's, if you like, where the first P here is establishing policies, which really means write you down. If you're going to deploy a model out into the world, what can that model do? And what must we, we be sure that the model does not do? Uh, and also what requires human action or human intervention? The second is sort of performing uh, what's called like a pre-mortem. Uh, which is anticipating the catastrophic outcomes and by doing so, identifying the risks. And that really needs to span product, engineering, leadership, legal, and, and compliance. The third P here is protections. And so uh, this is a, a lot of what we've been talking about is implementing guardrails that keep models uh, in line, uh, that adhere to policies that, that we sort of establish in, in step one. Uh, today, this is all about moderation. And I think in the future, this is going to be uh, inclusive of misuse, uh, compliance, uh, copyright, and, and other risks as well. And then the fourth is is all about process. And process here means that when you deploy a model, you're not done. In, in some ways, the, the work is just beginning. Uh, there are very real risks that are introduced specifically with this technology of things like in-context learning and reinforcement learning with human feedback where a model evolves over time. And just because out of the gate, you ensured that it, it obeyed a bunch of different rules, it doesn't mean that it will continue to do so. Uh, and that also includes things like monitoring incident response. But I'm also curious from your perspective, as you think about uh, these kind of frameworks, and you imagine that uh, there are boards that are wrestling with this decision today, like what are examples of other areas that we may look to for sort of precedent here? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head when you mentioned boards. I think this has got to be a board level concern. Boards have to be aware of the risk of a company adopting generative AI and they need to monitor the guardrails for, you know, ensuring safety from generative AI in the way that they would ensure they would monitor processes related to cybersecurity or financial fraud. You know, now with cybersecurity as an example, we've seen like many catastrophic breaches over the years that have affected, you know, millions of people. It's often hard to quantify the impact of a breach like that because it could be company destroying, right? Like it could destroy your brand, your customer relationships, like potentially, you know, other things. And I think because there have been enough of these cybersecurity breaches, boards now realize that they have to have a cybersecurity expert on the board. And that, you know, that's kind of a standard requirement when boards are looking to fill open roles or, you know, think about refreshing their board members. So you could imagine the future that boards are required to have someone who's experienced in generative AI and like understands the risks from generative AI and can help, you know, monitor the systems that ensure safety. So maybe we do have some precedent actually for issues like this. And, you know, it's just a matter of people like you, right? Like intelligently designing these software programs and systems that, you know, allow companies to really manage the risk. That's so interesting. And maybe to follow on to that, I, do you see potentially some risk here that this actually creates more space for 
startups to sort of be first to the punch in generative AI deployments, maybe because they have a different risk profile and, and may not have to worry about sort of the reputational risk that a large incumbent does. That's very interesting. I definitely, in talking with a lot of startups, know that many of them are thinking that using generative AI in their products is going to become table stakes. And at the beginning, it might be a way to kind of carve out a space, but over time, it'll just become a requirement for selling your software because your customers will expect it. But I think you're right that there might be, perhaps there is this other reason they adopt it, which is that compared to large companies, like, yeah, as you said, the risk of something going wrong is less of an issue. I mean, you, you can move fast and break things, right? As we've seen startups do before. On the other hand, you know, you might have some large companies that see it as you know an opportunity for innovation and to build market share versus their competitors in, you know, in adopting generative AI. And, and if it does become table stakes, then it will force large companies to do that as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. And your example of moving fast and breaking things, I think really gets to sort of the underlying mission here, which is there are just too many examples of technology deployments happening really, really quickly. And then we come to understand the deleterious effects of those deployments only after they've reached scale. So like social media is a great example of this. And this technology adoption curve feels faster than certainly anything I've seen in, in my career. So I think as a, as a business and a technology community, it's really important to be deliberate about anticipating what we want that future to look like and trying to build the right pieces and technologies in place to ensure that that happens. Randall, thank you so much for joining us today. This was an awesome conversation and I'm really excited for all the buzz that this will create. Thank you so much, Allison. I really appreciate the conversation as well.